Hello, Anya. Hello. You ready for this one? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah, I, I feel like we've been talking about this episode for, what, at least a month now? And probably longer when you were doing your outreach and we were really, really hoping that we were going to get today's guest. We didn't know that we were, but Anya did us proud and landed a very awesome Purfluencers guest. Yes, Benjamin Clark, the curator of the Charles Schultz Museum. And today we are going to talk with him about the evolution of Snoopy and the inspiration behind the character of Snoopy, who I think is probably the most famous dog in all of cartoon history. Totally. And for people who may not know who Snoopy is, I'd be very surprised if you don't, but if you don't know who Snoopy is, Snoopy is a little black and white dog in the Peanuts animated cartoon series. Uh, The Peanuts feature the legendary character, Charlie Brown. The Peanuts have been around since 1950. I believe that's when they first debuted. And to think that a cartoon has been able to last as long as the Peanuts had has been such a big part of the pop culture for as long as it's had. And that Snoopy has been like a star in this cartoon is also pretty impressive. I mean, I have a very personal connection to the Peanuts. They were a huge part of my childhood growing up from watching the movies around the holidays to this book that was in my mom's family's home, which was a compilation of like all the Peanuts cartoons from a point in history. And that book was like what I got really especially excited for when we would visit that house. And I spent a lot of time reading it. It wasn't, it was that or the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> so I got well acquainted with the Peanuts. Now I know why you know so many random facts. And that might be why. I never pieced that together. God, you're so good at this. All right. Well, let's get to it. Let's talk to Benjamin. So today on Furfluencers, we have a very, very special guest whose background and interests are very near and dear to my heart and something that I've loved my entire life. So we're welcoming to the show Benjamin Clark, the museum curator at the Charles Schultz Museum. Hi, Benjamin. Hello. This is, again, so amazing for me. I've had a very um, long-term I would just say long-standing love for the Peanuts, love for Snoopy. I mean, it goes back to when I was a little kid. Um, my mom's from uh, Pennsylvania. And when we would go to her family's house when I was younger, you know, they didn't really have like a lot of kids stuff there. But they had one book next to the collection of Encyclopedia Britannicas that <laughs> was like the most amazing thing that I could expect to find. And it was the full like original Peanuts like collection of comics. And every single visit to that house always meant that we'd sit down and, you know, read through the Peanuts book. And then later, you know, the Charlie Brown movies became a huge part of our holiday tradition. So again, like very excited that we're doing this today. That's great. It's good to be here. Thank you. I guess to get started, I mean, could you tell us just a little bit about what you do and how you ended up being the museum curator for the Charles Schultz Museum? Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm in charge of the team of people who uh, take care of all the old stuff at the museum. So uh, the original 
comic strip art of which uh, Mr. Schultz drew nearly 18,000 comic strips. And of those um, in a nearly 50 year, year career, and of those, we have a, almost 8,000 of the nearly 18,000. So we have a pretty sizable collection uh, to draw from just for peanuts. Um, he drew other things too. We have, uh, you know, his personal effects as well. You know, he was, um, you know, a lifelong athlete and, uh, you know, just various personal effects. And, um, and then we also have our archives, which are the correspondence, you know, between Mr. Schultz and his, you know, some of his fans, some, you know, with his business uh, side of things, um, photographs and AV materials for, you know, he did a lot of interviews and uh, all of that too. So uh, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Um, and then I also oversee all the exhibitions here. So we do uh, six exhibitions a year um, here in Santa Rosa and two in our satellite museum in Tokyo. And so I curate those and uh, kind of put together that the story of each exhibition and select the objects to help tell that story. And I write all the text and do all that stuff. So, um, so that's basically it. Pretty remarkable. 18,000 comic strips. I, I don't know if I've ever had 18,000 thoughts in my entire life. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, you think about it like, you know, there that's, that's 18,000 little stories, you know, and it's that's just, amazing. Just incredible. And, and you currently, it. oh, sorry. Oh, he did it all himself. You know, he, he had contemporaries who hired, you know, they hired a room full of, you know, writers and other artists who, um, you know, there, there was one contemporary of his who only ever drew the expressions on the characters' faces. That was all he did. He, he, he picked the jokes, had somebody else write it, somebody else lettered it. And that was all he did was ink the expressions. That was it. Charles Schultz was the opposite. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I, and you guys have a uh, a new exhibit currently happening. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Our our latest uh, our latest exhibition that opened uh, just a, just very recently was um, Peanuts Evolution the 1950s. So we look at the first decade of Peanuts and which debuted October second, 1950. And so we look at that first decade and kind of what happened, you know, it, it um, you know, peanuts wasn't peanuts yet, you know, in 1950, it, it didn't, you know, it wasn't fully formed in his mind. So, so it went through uh, quite an evolution in that first, um, it went through quite an evolution in that first uh, decade. So, um, so we, we look at that and all the characters involved and all that stuff. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of great characters in Peanuts, but this is an animal-focused podcast. So, of right. course, we, we have to talk about Snoopy, yeah, um, who I feel like just holds a place in just in American history, really. And oh, it's yeah. just a beloved character across the board for so, for so many people. Um, but... The origin of Snoopy was inspired by Charles Dog, Childhood Dog Spike, correct? Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Spike was, um, Schultz described him as a, you know, a, a really smart dog. Uh, he was a kind of an unknown 
mix <laughs> farm dog um that was given to them and they lived uh, he grew up mostly in um the twin cities minneapolis st paul uh, mostly in st paul and so he was you know he's a city kid and uh, they had this dog and um he had a couple other dogs growing up but spike was definitely like the you know his his favorite and um and he he said you know spike knew at least 50 different commands and the one the one that really impresses me that he described was his mother could tell spike to go down to the cellar and get a potato and he would do it he could come and bring a potato up to the kitchen while she was fixing dinner and um I love that. I think that's really my that's dog. Amazing. Do that. My dog doesn't do that. No, it's afraid of the potato. Yeah. Do we know why potatoes? No, <laughs> Not like I mean, anything else. Just but was it only potatoes? Yeah. Can he, can he do onions? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. You know, um, I don't know. But uh, but he apparently he said he said he knew at least he had a vocabulary of at least 50 words. And that's pretty that, cool. That's pretty cool. And it it just. I mean, kind of speaking to the connection though, that people have with their animals that years and years later, that Spike was such an influential part of his thinking and being still that it inspired one of the most iconic characters in cartoon history. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in fact, uh, Spike, um, Spike himself, Spike the dog was, um, the subject of Charles Schultz's first published drawing. Uh, he was um, maybe like, how old was he? 14, something like that. Wow. And he drew a um, a tiny little picture of Spike, just, I mean, it's tiny, you know, for uh, a comic feature in newspapers at the time called uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, which had all kinds oh, of you know, crazy sure. facts and stuff. And we've, it's, that brand is still around today. <laughs> Um, and, uh, but he wrote about how his dog would eat pins and tacks and razor blades, apparently. <laughs> I don't know how that worked, but, um, <laughs> anyway, he, uh, he drew a little picture of Spike and, and that was his first published drawing and, um, pretty, pretty incredible. I, and I'm looking at the drawing right now and you can certainly see how there are there's overlap in terms of the way Snoopy ended up being depicted and and this oh, yeah, particular yeah, yeah. drawing. Yeah, he was a mostly white dog with black spots and um we see that on on Snoopy. Yeah. And when sure. Schultz was developing the peanuts, like who came first? Was it Charlie Brown or was it Snoopy? Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown was always the um, uh, main character of Peanuts. So uh, from day one and um, uh, so Snoopy, but Snoopy came, he was a planned part of the cast originally. So there was always going to be a dog. Um, and originally Schultz actually wanted to name the dog character. Cause so he had a, a previous, um, a previous uh, comic called Lil Folks. And it wasn't a strip. It was like a collection of single panels. Hmm. If that makes sense, you know, yep. like, you know, single panel comics like Family Circus and Marmaduke and things like that. But it was kind of like a, like you'd have three or sometimes four, um, but they all stood alone. And they would have, it was kids and there's random dogs that show up in there too. And um, so when this, but none of the care, there was no set characters. And so when he signed his contract for a comic strip, 
with United Feature Syndicate, they said one of the things they wanted was recurring characters. They wanted a set cast. So he had to think of names for everybody and, you know, personalities and all of that. And he knew right away he wanted a dog character. And he um, originally wanted to name his dog character Sniffy. <laughs> so, uh, but he he had just, you know, they had just signed the contract and they're actually having trouble with the title. Um, he wanted to call the comic strip Little Folks. And um, the legal department was like, well, there's this old comic strip, you know, from a long time ago, but, you know, copyrights are still there and everything for another comic strip by the same name, pretty much. Uh, you can't use it. You have to think of something else. And he, he thought, okay, well, let's call it Charlie Brown or good old Charlie Brown. And they're like, no, no, the name, that doesn't work. Don't worry, kid, we'll figure it out, you know. And they sent it over to the marketing department. And uh, one guy, he wrote down 10 names. And he doesn't even, he, didn't, he never, he never could remember the other names, but on that list was Peanuts. And um, Schultz hated the name Peanuts <laughs> for his comic strip. But, uh, but he was so he he had he's just like had this argument this back and forth and he lost about the name of the strip itself and so he it's summer he's just signed the contract the strip hasn't come out yet and he's still drawing like the first few and he has his dog character planned out and he's back at home and he walks past a newsstand and he sees a comic book about a dog named sniffy and he's like, oh, okay, I can't use the name Sniffy now. Can't catch okay. a break here. No, it's <laughs> like, I, 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 I have to think of something great and something original because I, I can't have these people naming my characters. And so he 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 remembered his mother, uh, who by that time had passed away um, very young. Um, he lost her um, uh, in like 43, I think. And... Um, and he uh, he remembered her saying, you know, if we ever have another dog, we should name it Snoopy. And um, this was kind of a a twist, sort of on a on a. She was Norwegian, and it was, mm. a, it was Snoopy was a like a term of endearment, meaning you know, like my sweetheart or something. Oh my goodness! And Snoopy, yeah. And so. Um, he thought, oh, that's a good name. That's an even better name. You know, that's that's what I need to do. And the rest is history. So the mom and and posthumous, she got her second dog, Snoopy. Yeah, probably <laughs> the most famous dog of all time. <laughs> yes, in, in all seriousness, yeah. Yeah. And and Snoopy was drawn very differently or went through ev different evolutions until feel like he really landed on Charles really landed on what he wanted Snoopy to look like yeah yeah he started out as a little you know just an adorable little puppy you know uh he's he's on all fours he barks um very strange you know <laughs> uh to see him bark and yip and um just you know very doggish you know and he because uh, Snoopy becomes so much more than that, you know, as time goes on. And do you and, know why? Oh, sorry, I was going to ask though, like why, um, why the beagle of all the breeds? Why a beagle? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, Snoopy was just a, you know, was was uh, just a cute little dog, and beagle really wasn't ever 
in the picture, you know, uh, for a long time. In fact, the first time it's brought up what breed Snoopy might be, um, Charlie Brown refers to him in 1960. So it's a whole decade. Oh, wow. Into the strip. Did not know that. And he, he calls him a beagle. And Snoopy replies, I ain't no beagle. <laughs> so the first time it's even brought up, he denies it. Easy. So uh, it takes, you know, again, and it doesn't really come up again to like the mid 60s where it really becomes like he's a beagle. And um, so, yeah, so why a beagle? Also because um, a beagle because uh, Schultz thought that words that begin with the letter B are inherently funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you know schroeder loves beethoven that's why charlie brown is a blockhead that's why you know on and on and on and so it uh we we find new ones all the time and it's um but yeah he said you know b words are just they're just funny it's like are, are they okay well okay if you say so um so uh yeah beagle that's why snoopy is a beagle and and Snoopy, I mean, you're talking about how he barked and was on all fours, but he started standing on his hind legs in later comic strips, right? Oh, and I actually right. do have one follow-up question to this, though, as far as the speculation around his breed. Mm. Do you know if at the time before it was revealed what yeah. his breed was? Was this like no. a conversation happening around like pop culture type of people were like, what is snoopy like uh, i'm just trying to imagine like in the 50s the version of what like a reddit forum would be trying to break down what breed snoopy is yeah no un <laughs> unfortunately we don't really have um any kind of record of that uh so no i don't know um that's not to say it wasn't happening um i would dearly love to find you know a peanuts fanzine from 1957 you know or something uh discussing exactly that you know um all those questions that people had at the time um you know is there a character named peanuts I, that was a question in the fandom um because you have to you know remember like go back you know in our imaginations because none of us were around was you know they um you know, you saw it in, you saw a single daily strip, you know, four panels. That's it. That's all you got. You couldn't go back and, you know, look at the entire body of, you know, previous strips. Um, the little paperbacks started coming out, but I mean, that was it. That was all you had. And, uh, and those little reprint paperbacks, they're not printing all the strips. They're not even printing them in chronological order. They're all jumbled up from, you know, a couple of years worth, um, and uh, so it's not like a continuous chronological storyline, you know, so it's um, so there's a lot, you know, there's all kinds of room for speculation back then. Just imagining there was like a tabloid that came out, you know, across all the the magazines. Snoopy comes out as a beagle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anya, I, I love your question, though, about how he evolved over time. Because Benjamin, something I was thinking about, you know, as Snoopy evolved from this little, you know, the puppy sort of yipping to almost this more human-like creature with yeah. a very, not only big personality, but a big role in the story. 
was that deliberate or accidental? Was it that Snoopy just became popular and therefore we merged him into more of a central character or were people just gravitating towards Snoopy and so then Schultz decided to make him more of a central character? That's a great question. I, I think it's, um, in my mind, uh, is just a natural evolution. You know, Snoopy as a character, when Snoopy was able to um, stand up on his hind legs, and he gets on top of his doghouse and starts sleeping on the top of the doghouse. Um, in the 50s, we see Snoopy begin to do animal impersonations. He starts to pretend to be an alligator and or a vulture or... I know, love the these, vulture. Yeah, all these crazy things. And it's mostly coming out of, you know, Schultz, he, he would say cartooning is just drawing funny pictures. And so, you know, that's where he would try to find, you know, humor a lot of the time was just... You can totally see in my mind, you know, the evolution of him trying, you know, drawing Snoopy and then putting him in that vulture pose and thinking like, oh, well, what what would happen, you know, if I put him in a little tree and Linus walks by? What would Linus think of that? And and um, so he is just a natural evolution. And uh, and because Snoopy is not a kid, not quite an adult. But, you know, he's kind of some other that could do things that the, the kids can't. And so um, it just became a natural evolution that he would become somebody you, he could, you could do a lot with. And I, I think that was just the natural evolution of it. And can you describe a little bit about the relationship that Snoopy and Charlie Brown had, hmm. what their dynamic was and because I, I feel like I've read a lot of different articles where people describe it as very endearing, but also kind of they were sometimes maybe a little snippy with each other and yeah. got on each other's nerves a little bit like siblings would. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, they're. Charlie Brown is definitely devoted to Snoopy. Um, Snoopy more or less likes Charlie Brown most of the time. <laughs> um, but, you know, Snoopy is very self-centered. You know, uh, Snoopy has a hard time, you know, thinking beyond his himself, beyond his stomach. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, he, he um, you know, it's not a, uh, it's not the deep companionship perhaps that Charlie Brown had hoped for when he got a dog, but um, you know, I, who knows, you know, it's, it's, um, it's what it, it's what it needed to be that day for that, for the strip, you know, and, and um, that's something Charles Schultz would, would, would say sometimes when, you know, people would ask him questions, you know, like really get in the weeds, you know, like he, he has in the strip, like a couple of different days that are Snoopy's birthday and people would try to like nail it down. He's like, when exactly? What day? What day is it? And he's just like, listen, it's, it's a comic strip. It's okay. <laughs> like, relax. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's what I need it to be that day. And uh, with comics, that's the great thing about comics. You can do anything. And um, so maybe, yeah, yeah, his birthday one year was, you know, that day and another year it's a different day. It's like, so what? <laughs> you know, it's okay. <laughs> so, and that's what, that's what the relationship is like too. Um, it's what it needed to be to be funny that day. It did seem sort of funny for Charlie Brown to end up having that relationship with Snoopy. Cause when I think of Charlie Brown, he's like, you know, he can be kind of, he's very philosophical, but sometimes kind of sad and he needs something, right? Like he needs yeah. something tangible to ground him in his life. So his thinking doesn't take him, you know, to whatever 
strange place at will. And you think that having a pet, having Snoopy is going to be that thing. He's the caretaker. He's going to receive, you know, all of this um, affection in return without any strings attached. And he right. ends up kind of in the opposite, which would happen to Charlie Brown, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, you know, nothing ever goes quite 100% right for Charlie Brown, even owning a dog. <laughs> I feel like my dog, Ruthie, who is, by the way, a beagle mix. Ah, uh, mm -hmm. Like now when I think of Snoopy and just like the selfishness behind his character a little bit, and you're saying he's driven just by food. That yep. is my dog. Like she actively ignores me when I'm home. Will oh. only come... <laughs> into the kitchen when i'm cooking and thinking uh -huh. she's gonna get a treat when we're out on walks if i let her off leash she'll only come to me when i have food it's like otherwise she's just kind of indifferent to me and even like if my if my boyfriend is like play fighting me to see if she'll react and maybe protect me she'll just kind of look the other way and yeah. be like yeah i can't be bothered <laughs> yeah. by this this yeah. is not serving me at the moment right you'll figure it out <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think I, I I love I still love the relationship between Snoopy and Charlie Brown because there are a lot of tender moments yeah. still throughout the strip of where you do see the the companionship that they offer each other and I guess the comfort that Snoopy does offer Charlie. Mm -hmm. Um and I think I, I guess I'm thinking more so um in the last strip when he when Charlie Brown talks to Snoopy after trying to tell, um, I'm totally blank on the character's name right now, the girl that he's waited for his whole life. And she just kind of blows him off. And he tells Snoopy, I just needed to hear a friendly voice. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of like almost ties up their relationship in a really beautiful, sweet way. Yeah, in in the late '80s and definitely in the '90s, we see a lot more of that return to, uh, I call it the a boy and his dog, you know, kind of phase of of strips, and, uh, and that actually reflects Schultz's life too. Um, he had a uh, a little um, fox terrier um, that was a rescue that uh, his wife Jeannie brought home. Uh, he had been found on a beach somewhere and uh and he had a little collar on and i don't think any tags just a collar and it, the name andy was scratched on the inside of the collar hmm. and so they they thought his okay must be andy and so uh they kind of nursed him back to health and then he was he schultz had dogs you know the family had dogs lots of dogs <laughs> I have a chart to keep track of all the dogs. <laughs> There's a lot of dogs. Um, Life goals right there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he had five kids, you know, so you're Charles Schultz living on, you know, an acreage in Northern California with five very outdoorsy active kids. You're going to wind up with a bunch of dogs. <laughs> and um, so anyway, uh, so, but later, later, later in life, your kids are all gone, you know, all that. Um he had he had Andy and he loved that dog and the, that dog loved him back. I mean, they were so close. And you, you see that reflected in Peanuts and even Snoopy gets a new brother, Andy. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, it's 
that, that, that return to that boy and his dog themes are, yeah, it's very cute. Yeah, I like that because I, I was trying to think about Snoopy's relationship to some other characters. Oh, speaking of dogs, here goes mine. His relationship to adults versus the children's relationship to adults in the comics. I was wondering if you had any insight. Would Snoopy have a different relationship with adults or did it kind of mirror the one that you know the kids had or kids like had? Say. yeah none none he he ignored he ignored anybody who wasn't doing anything for him <laughs> yeah. as far as he was concerned um you know he uh yeah snoopy had no interest in people outside of what he was up to <laughs> so um but then he he got woodstock though or woodstock became Wood, a woodstock, companion a character yeah woodstock shows up uh is actually born in a nest on Snoopy's stomach. Um, in 1966, two two little birds are hatched, and one flies away, and one can't. <laughs> it flies around, you know, and crashes, um, and is unnamed actually for a number of years. Um, and he's not named Woodstock until 1970, and so uh, and he just sticks around and. Um, really yeah becomes a special companion to to snoopy and it's interesting that they can converse with each other and uh and things so it's um even though we don't understand woodstock you know we we need snoopy to interpret for us so as the readers so it's it's interesting yeah so woodstock's a fascinating addition did charlie brown ever get jealous of woodstock and snoopy I don't think so. I don't think that ever really happened because, you know, Snoopy and Woodstock, they had a very like, you know, um, not just like close friends and companions, but you know, Snoopy felt a, a responsibility, you know, for Woodstock. He had to take care of Woodstock. He had to look out for Woodstock because Woodstock could get um, confused, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> It's in, that's it's still interesting though because you know Charlie Brown. I feel like it was implied that he liked being, you know, having someone depend on him. Mm. And and one of the I know one of the strips he quit school and decided he was going to devote the rest of his life to making Snoopy <laughs> happy. Right. And it, you know, it, obviously, it was, we've talked about Snoopy's not entirely maybe grateful or yeah. reciprocates all the time, but then he ends up playing the same role in Woodstock's life that Charlie plays in Snoopy's life. Right. Like a trickle down effect almost. Right. <laughs> there's, there's some, uh, yeah, some, some family traits that are passed along. It seems like. <laughs> Do you think Schultz was prepared for what an impact Snoopy has had on our culture, which like, I do want to get to in a little bit more detail, but you know, while he was alive, was he surprised by, not just the success of the Peanuts, but the success of Snoopy in particular? Um, you know, he always, he always said that he, the day he signed the contract uh, at United Feature Syndicate, he, he, he knew it was going to be a success. He was going to work for it to be a success. And, um, but there's also, you know, the part of him where, 
you know, when he's named the best cartoonist of the year in 1955, he has enough papers um, that his syndicate renews his contract. He he has more money than he ever dreamed of in 1955. You know, <laughs> he's just getting started. And, you know, he he knew he had something very unique and special and an experience that was you know toward the end of his life looking back you know newspapers and comics are already changing pretty drastically and um the path is set for where we're at today you know where newspaper comics are um you know barely barely in papers at all anymore and uh he he knew that his experience was one that would probably never be repeated and um but snoopy in particular yeah he said you know i have to be careful with snoopy um you know because there's there's a period of time where he he got some criticism you know mm -hmm. like snoopy especially when woodstock came along said you know snoopy and woodstock are taking over the strip and he says well i do a lot of them on sundays because the sunday strips and the daily strips are on a on totally different publishing schedules so he couldn't do like storylines that would go from you know, all week oh, long and, and right. Sunday and, you know, cause he's, he's drawing at completely different, um, timescales, hmm. you know, he's, he's drawing the dailies for six to eight weeks out, but he's drawing the Sundays for like 12 weeks out 16, you know, he's drawing them months and months out. So, um, so he would draw a lot of Snoopy and Woodstock on Sundays also because he knew a lot of kids read the strips then. And and they they have a lot of action. You know, you can do a lot of funny, funny action with Snoopy and Woodstock. They're flopping off the doghouse. They're, you know, bumping it. Woodstock's flying around and bumping yeah, into things. And... Yeah. And so uh so um when he when he said that, you know, I be careful about them taking over. I mean, he he knew he was well aware of it. Yeah. And and in the exhibition, I, I want to point out one thing that some people don't know mm. is that Snoopy wasn't always considered Charlie Brown's pet. Uh -huh. Right. Correct. Right. Um, I, I kind of knew that um, at some point. There were some kind of hints along the way. But then we had donated um, to our archives here a letter that Schultz wrote to a young fan in 1960. So we're a whole decade into the strip. And apparently she had asked, you know, who owns Snoopy? Because it wasn't clear. And um, and he says, well, he doesn't really belong to anyone in particular. He's kind of a neighborhood dog and, you know, gets um, gets love and food wherever he can. And he does acknowledge that, you know, Charlie Brown has, you know, largely taken over his caretaking, but, you know, that's, he belongs, you know, he belongs to the neighborhood. And to see it so explicitly spelled out in 1960 was pretty mind-blowing. And because um, we kind of knew that early on, you know, definitely in the first couple years, you know, maybe Snoopy didn't belong to anybody in particular, but because, you know, neighborhood dogs were just a normal part of comics, especially comics with kids, um, you know, from the time he, he was growing up, you know, the twenties and thirties, you look at some of those really old ones um, like uh, Percy Crosby's strip called Skippy, you know, it's a 
gang of kids in a neighborhood, you know, um, you know, sharing philosophy and ideas and it's, it's very peanutsy, um, but with a, you know, 1920s and thirties angle. And, you know, again, there, there's, there's just random dogs just roaming around. So, uh, yeah, so that was pretty astonishing to find. Julie, it reminds me of that documentary that we watched called uh, We Don't Deserve Dogs. Oh, yeah. And there's, it's a doc, it's this documentary that follows different people's relationships and countries with dogs. And there's this dog in Chile that basically has like four different homes because he roams the neighborhood and like will stay at a different home on different nights and he has a different name oh at each of the homes too yeah but he just makes his rotation and everybody knows him and in the neighborhood and knows that he's fine and he's very well taken care of and he just happens to have multiple homes where people just love on him constantly yeah that's great yeah that's yeah, it's exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, good call it on you. That sounds like a good life, actually. Right? <laughs> it's like four different dinners if you time it right. I wish I could just walk around my neighborhood and people would just feed me. Yeah. You can try. You <laughs> <laughs> don't like it. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, I've got like a couple, I guess, like Snoopy and pop culture questions. And the first, maybe there okay. there isn't a connection, but I was so interested in this which is the soundtrack choice for the Charlie Brown movies. You know, it's jazz oh. and it's the, yeah. uh, who is it? The Vince um, Garaldi. Vince Garaldi. Yeah. Yep. What was, why that selection? Why that soundtrack, that particular style jazz? And is there anything about Snoopy in particular that influenced that selection? Uh, no. <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, uh, so the selection was um, not Schultz. I mean, he mm. uh, he loved music, but was not like a jazz guy. Um, and um, but it was actually Lee Mendelson who was uh, the producer on everything Peanuts animation ever, pretty much. <laughs> and um, he uh, Lee was um, he, the way Lee told the story, and Lee love to tell a story uh was he was driving over the golden gate bridge and he was coming north and he heard um vince garaldi's song cast your fate to the wind which is a which is a great song and uh and that was when he knew that is who we need for these peanuts animation mm -hmm. uh and and of course like the first i mean from the first frame and the first note, I mean, for all of us, it's perfect. And talking to fans who were the, you know, the kids of the sixties who saw that, you know, for the first time, it just, none of them went, Whoa, what's, I didn't think that would, you know, what are they doing to our, to our beloved comic strip characters? Every, everybody was just like, yep, that's, that's correct. Perfect. That is correct. And, uh, which Schultz himself would event eventually acknowledge. <laughs> but, um, you know, as far as Snoopy went, uh, the animators um, led by Bill Melendez, uh, Melendez Studio, who, who did the animation, worked with Lee Mendelson and with Schultz uh, to write the specials and, and put them together and kind of figure out the sequences and things. He, he loved working with Snoopy as a character just because he was so dynamic. You know, he... 
you know, the, the kid characters, they, you know, they, they walk around and talk to each other. That's about it. And, um, but Snoopy, oh, Snoopy, you know, he's dancing and he's climbing stuff and he's jumping off of things and he's flying a plane and crashing it and, you know, all kinds of exciting stuff. So he, he loved working with Snoopy, um, as a character. Yeah, I think it really shows in those animations. And yeah, now, now that you said like the kids are kind of like moving along with their their little feet, but like Snoopy's spinning and mm-hmm. zipping around. Yeah. And it, it really helps balance that out. I mean, Snoopy, Snoopy's been on the move. I mean, he went from again being the little the chirpy pup to Joe Cool. He's done brand collaborations. I know Uniqlo rolled out a line of peanuts clothes, but Snoopy's been the selling point and he has transcended a bunch of different cultures from being, I guess, like a kid's sort of icon to being pop culture, to being in hip hop and to going global. I mean, the fact that you have a a satellite in Tokyo speaks volumes to that. What happened? How did Snoopy end up being the cool guy in the Peanuts? (laughs) (laughs) uh, Again, I think it's just a natural evolution. You know, um, they... Uh, and and some of this is, you know, some of that international success, you know, we have to look at the licensing and merchandising that went on. A lot of that needs, you know, a lot of credit for that is it should be given to um, a woman named Connie Boucher, who ran uh, Determined Productions, who was an early, early licensee of Peanuts and made it, again, you know, the global phenomenon, you know, they opened offices oh i don't even know what i can't even remember what all countries they were in but determined had had offices all over the world and um were making you know things for for those those places and for the u.s and uh yeah yeah and and she had she basically created character licensing as we know it today and um you know the, it existed before but you know, you can look at a few antique, you know, Buster Brown pocket watches and, you know, things like that. No, nothing was on the scale that what Peanuts has become. And, and, and like you said, you know, the reach into even high fashion, you know, Peanuts is just, it's just incredible. And that's thanks to Connie Boucher. I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this, but is Snoopy the most profitable character <laughs> out of peanuts in terms of the character that's maybe been the most licensed and and used in different products uh just within peanuts yeah um i don't know the answer to that but you know it's hard to think not um i would imagine so but i i i don't know i don't know for sure and to think Snoopy's made all this money and he never paid Charlie Brown. Didn't even get him a gift. Can't even remember his name. <laughs> that round-headed kid. That's you know? right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Charlie Brown. Yeah. <laughs> what What in your mind is the most memorable comic strip of, of Snoopy and Charlie Brown? Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I get to... I, I sit and read peanuts all day, every day. And, um, you know, I, I still find ones that catch me by surprise and make me laugh out loud. And, um, so to, uh, 
to name a favorite's impossible. And um, in fact, in our newsletter, our museum newsletter, I have a regular little corner where I talk about my my current favorite uh, strip, and it changes every time. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Benjamin, I know we're um, we're kind of on time, but I think we got just like a couple of questions. And yeah. this one came to me as we were talking, actually. I don't know why I hadn't thought of it sooner. Um, Snoopy versus Mickey. We've got two iconic mm. American cartoon animals. And they seem to have, I mean, they've both blown up, but I think in different ways and for different reasons. Have you guys yeah. thought about that at all or had any kind of discourse about Snoopy versus Mickey? Um. Yes. Um, I feel like I asked that's a That's probably question. all I'm willing to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a big question when there's a short answer. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have thought of that. And I have discussed that with various people. Um, yes. I like that's it. all I'm willing to say at this point. <laughs> and I'm done. <laughs> what what would you say the uh everlasting legacy of snoopy is oh snoopy i i think is um you know embodies that that part of every single person ever who dreams and looks outside and and fantasizes about what could be what could i do and um and snoopy's the one who says yeah let's do it let's go for it you know just do it anyway yeah you're a dog in the backyard but you know what <laughs> you know you could still go <laughs> fly a biplane if you want you can still you know um imagine what it's like to be at valley forge with george washington you can uh you know um be a vulture you know, you can do anything. And uh that that is Snoopy's legacy, I think. That's awesome. Well, Benjamin, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with yes, us thank this you. afternoon and sharing some of the insights on Snoopy. Yeah. It, it's fun learning about uh something that I read growing up and and uh knowing more of the backstory behind him. Yeah, thank you for your wonderful questions. Thank you. Well, that was great. How amazing was that conversation? I feel like we're so lucky that we had him on as a guest. I just think it's amazing the creativity one that Charles Schultz had, but also I think too, sometimes I feel like when you're a storyteller, you can kind of get stuck in making a character be a specific way throughout an entire series and not really let them evolve. And I think we talked about it, but the evolution of Snoopy, how many different iterations there were of him until it's all, and then towards the end of uh, his, you know, his strip, how the relationship between Charlie Brown and Snoopy became a little bit more loving and maybe endearing in certain ways because of the dog that Charles got later on in his life that inspired. I really him. loved that piece of information. I mean, obviously Snoopy was created from a place of love, and like love for dogs because Schultz had dogs growing up. But then the fact that a, a new dog came into his life and that dog perhaps like re-inspired him or gave him like a fresh, you know, perspective on Snoopy. 
I, you know, I thought that was, it was really interesting. And um, that Snoopy, you know, the point you made about Snoopy and Charlie Brown having sometimes like a combative relationship, that sibling relationship and that like, yeah, that's true. That is correct. What we were interpreting. That was also interesting to hear. Also, I, if, if Snoopy was a real dog, Uh all right, he probably would be the richest dog on the planet. All right. I was looking up at different collaborations that, uh, that he's had. He had a collaboration with Apple watches, a new collaboration with Karima's sneakers, uh, Red Cross did a collaboration, which I guess that's more for raising money. Uh, I mean, you name it, Snoopy has been on it. Like uh, NASA, <laughs> for instance. You yeah. Know, they did a collaboration with NASA. I Like Snoopy is everywhere. everywhere. Snoopy is on every article. Uniqlo was another uh, collaboration that they had. I mean... I would want to date Snoopy because I feel like he could take me out. Honey, I'm sure Snoopy would love you. But I know I I was so surprised. And then when I was wondering, like, the global appeal of Snoopy and, like, I – and there's definitely more to it. There's more to those characters that's universal, obviously. But, you know, when when Benjamin was giving credit where credit is due and, like, yeah, the woman who was responsible for a lot of the licensing of the Peanuts images, like, that played a huge role in bringing awareness, again, on a global – scale to Snoopy and and the other Peanuts characters. I just love the fact that a dog is such a central part of our lives, still a cartoon dog. Like even young people, like my, my nieces will know about Snoopy, right? Like that, like Snoopy, I feel like will live on forever. And whether that's on a t-shirt, whether it's in the comic strip, he is going to be part of pop culture forever and to be able to, and to me, I think he's probably the most famous character out of all of the peanuts characters and with Charlie Brown coming in in a hard second. I mean, Charlie Brown can't come in first. That would just not be on brand. No, absolutely not. (laughs) Snoopy has to come out on top. Well, again, Anya, (laughs) this was great. I was going to say like, thank you so much for, for setting up this interview and I'm, you know, Thanksgiving is right around the corner and, you know, I will be watching the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special and I will be listening to the soundtrack while we're making dinner. And it's just like extra cool that we got to have this conversation leading up to that. And now I know what to get you for, for Christmas. You mean you're not going to make me another one of those candlesticks that you made me last year? No, you're getting an (laughs) upgrade. You're getting an upgrade. To everyone that listened to today's episode, thank you. Please like and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Follow us on Instagram at the Furfluencers. And to sign up for our newsletter, go to thefurfluencers.com. And we will see you after Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble.